1: Hi, this is Christopher Daniel Barnes, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. And welcome to another episode of Candair, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, from the Eisner-nominated indie comics newspaper, The Columbus Scribbler, and from, Dispo- and from Disposable Fiction Comics, a small press publisher that features indie comics like Blizzard, uh, Tricks of the Trade, Mind Games... Uh, a hunger for power, and many more. We welcome writer and editor-in-chief Jack Wallace to the show. Jack, thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you both
2: for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me on.
1: We're going to have a good time today. In our Retro Roundtable, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite comic book characters ever. I think we may have done this a long time ago. Possibly, yeah. But it's been so long that I don't remember what the hell I said, and I'm pretty sure... I know I've talked about some of the characters I have in the past, but uh, I, f- I found some new uh, shit to say about okay. them. So.
0: I probably didn't, but, you know, hey, we'll try
1: and- <laughs> <laughs> We'll find out. And I'm very anxious to hear what Jack's picks are. Uh, and then after that, we're going to turn our attention to Jack and talk about everything he's uh, been dabbling in quite a bit. I mean, the stuff I mentioned in the uh, intro aren't even it. He's got a lot going on. Very excited to talk about that. But before we do anything... Don't forget to find us on Twitter at air Pod and on Instagram at canned underscore Air. And I need to start putting in the TikTok. You do, yes. On TikTok at air Podcast, right? That's yes, the handle there. Yep. Yeah, we, uh, Randy cultivated our TikTok and it he got quite a few followers on there, yeah. more than our other uh, uh, platforms. Yeah. So uh, we, we need to start utilizing it. Yeah, we're, yeah. That's what we're gonna do.
0: Jeremy's hopping in to help with some content too, so yeah.
1: It's been kind of fun. I hate to admit it. I've always been so down on TikTok, (laughs) but I hate to admit it. It's been a little bit fun. Uh, And uh, on candarepodcast.com, a few different ways you can support us. There's a merch tab where you can get T-shirts, mugs, uh, stickers, hats, Whole bunch of stuff featuring uh, the Candair logo and uh, designs that were uh, made by Joshua Bellis, like pop culture-inspired Candair uh, logos and uh, graphics and stuff. Rep the brand a little bit. Yeah, like a Star Wars-themed yeah. Star Wars-themed Candair shirt, a Ninja Turtles-themed uh, Candair shirt. What else is the, there? Uh,
0: like the the grocery bag from like the '80s that just has like yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All kinds of them. They're they're very cool and very appreciative to him for doing that for us. And also a link to our Patreon page, where for 5 to $10 a month, you can get access to probably about three to four years worth of content. Oh, yeah,
0: and that's about how long it'll take you to get through it. There's a shit ton on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a couple different things there. Randy. If you're not able to
0: uh, do the Patreon thing, uh, any like or any shout out on social media, any review you can leave us on how you're listening to us is greatly, greatly appreciated. And uh, we are coming up very quickly on episode 500. So yeah. if uh, <laughs> if you just started listening, or if you've been a veteran from the Con Radio days, we want to hear what your favorite episode is. You know, let us know what you've liked about the show. If there's any particular favorite moments, uh, you know, favorite co-hosts, which would be me. Um, you know, <laughs> just let us know, and we'll uh, read them off on episode 500.
1: Yeah, or even play a clip. You know, if yeah. you, if you've got a clip uh, from a moment that you like from our past, let us know. Uh, We want to get as many of those uh, moments in on the 500th episode as possible. I'm getting a little nervous with that approaching. I'm starting to see the amount of work it's going (laughs) to require, and it's making me a little scared, but it'll be good. They turn out good. It will be awesome. And um, is that it? I think Uh, we're good. Oh, shout out to evergreenpodcast.com, the network we're a part of, and so happy to be there. Absolutely. So with all that said, let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Let's do it. Do it!
0: Come on! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Oh, my
1: God!
0: They killed Teddy! <laughs> 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 Faster! Oh. i
1: Grass! Taste bad! <laughs> All right, some of our favorite comic book characters. Randy, why don't you show us how it's done? All right, well, I'm going to cheat a little bit right
0: off the rip, and it's actually going to be a team of characters. But my first, like, real comic experience growing up, and I think I've talked about this before, but forgive me, is the... Uh, the second X-Men team from the, the giant X-Men uh, 100. Uh, annual? Uh, a, yeah, the, the big one where they had like the entire like original team like got lost on Krakatoa and they had to get Wolverine and Banshee and kind of like that second.
1: Are you talking about the first time like we saw the X-Men we know today, like the X-Men, I can't remember what it's called, giant number one, annual number one or something like that or what do you? I'm talking about the one
0: that's like the, the famous, I mean you see a lot of it Pictures in X-Men where it's, like, the original team, like, in the background, and you have, like, Wolverine and Banshee and Nightcrawler. Okay. Kind of, and I think Colossus, too. Yeah, busting through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, the actual, the comic. And the reason I, that is so, like, familiar for me is back in the day, I got, like, a, Marvel used to do, like, these CDs that you could pop into the computer, and it would be, like, a digital comic. So you could, like, read the entire comic, but there would oh, be yeah. little, like parts here and there where it would do like an audio clip or play like a little video or something like that. And that was kind of like my first real exposure to X-Men outside of the the TV show. So that's always kind of been like a favorite of mine.
1: It was those Fox uh, shows, the Fox X-Men show and the Fox Spider-Man show that got me interested in Marvel comics at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I didn't – the only thing I really knew was Batman before that. I liked Batman a lot. I mean, and of course, it it was a late 80s. You know, Michael Keaton (laughs) made quite a splash. (laughs) But very good, very good pick. Jack, what about you, sir? Uh, My first round was probably – I mean,
2: growing up, it's always been the Incredible Hulk uh, just starting out. He was – I mean, we used to go on long car trips, and we used to buy – you know comics me and my brothers would all split them up and then trade which ones we had back when the days when they actually had spinner racks and the Hulk (laughs) was like one of the few characters who actually I mean there was no team he didn't have anybody helping him it was all just him yeah he wasn't particularly smart he wasn't but man he was the most powerful character like you could have put him up against anybody and it was more more than likely like he was probably Going to take him on. Um, yeah, he just became a force of nature, and and I had kind of kept up with him throughout the ages, and you know I'm not I'm not as big a fan of the Red Hulk, or uh, I think right now I think uh, Bruce Banner's like got him siloed in his mind, and there's a whole bunch of lots of spinoffs, but the Mister Fix-It days when he was like a mob fixer, and he had <laughs> he was weird, man. It, it just got bizarre, but man, he was always. Just the most intense, brutal, 100% guy on Crank that you could imagine. Yeah.
1: When when uh, they did the World War Hulk uh, comic event, what was that, 2007 or 8, something mm-hmm. like that. Boy, oh boy, man. Like every panel with him, it was just so... You just kept thinking they're all fucked. Like, how are they going to get out of this? Like, there's no way they can beat him. Well, and even when they did that, they had they were like, oh, well,
2: we're going to have the the Civil War. And we don't know which side whichever side the Hulk's going to be on is going to win. So we're just going to shoot him out into another planet. Exactly.
1: (laughs) It's true. I didn't think about that. But you're absolutely right. You couldn't have him there for that story.
2: Right. And, and luckily he got his own story out of it And they they made some great comics out of it But yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't they think did. they could have had him They couldn't have had him be on a team
1: What have you thought uh, If I don't know if you have any opinion on what they've done With the Hulk um, In the movies, in, in the MCU uh, I, He used to be Really cool, like to rage out To see it on the big screen, just destroy shit It was so awesome But this Endgame Hulk and the Hulk we've seen since Smart Hulk
0: or I'm not, Hulk or... Yeah,
1: but I'm not I'm not super big
2: on I'm with you. I, I well, I mean, first off, the first one is, with the Ang Lee movie is real trash. Uh, the one where he's I mean, I think he fights two dogs and an old Nick Nolte. And it's just <laughs> awful. Why? Why are we even watching? Um, plus, half of it's about yeah. Eric Bana playing Bruce Banner. And who cares about Bruce Banner? Like, it's all it's, yeah. it should be a Hulk. Uh, I will say the the one thing that I absolutely think they nailed it on is I mean you remember that scene in Avengers the first one where they do the big lineup and he he's like oh we're, I'm that's the secret I'm always angry yeah and yeah destroys that big thing yeah when when he tells him Hulk smash and he jumps into the building and he just starts ripping off the robots that to me that was the chef's kiss that was that was yeah. like every. Thing I thought of as a thirteen-year-old that I wanted to see on film—that was just the best. I'm—I'm I'm a fan of the Mark Ruffalo in like those early ages. Um, and I—I I, I thought Edward Norton did an okay job. That—that that one was not bad. Yeah, I'm—I'm kind of with you. I'm not that crazy about Smart Hulk, but
1: you know, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> it's just been a little weird since then. And I understand, especially um, Infinity War, you know, you get that shot of him in the beginning trying to take on Thanos, and then Thanos, you know, puts him in place, Mm -hmm. you don't see him again, which I think kind of goes back to what you were saying about the Civil War. Maybe it's better that he wasn't there on the battlefield at the end of that movie, because he just would (laughs) have, you know, ruled, he would have devastated everyone. Mm -hmm. But how cool it would have been in that final scene in Infinity War, when you know Mark Ruffalo's arguing with the Hulk inside the Hulk Buster suit about oh, coming out, talking
0: about this, yeah, yeah.
1: If if he had convinced him to come out, and you're looking at Hulk Buster, and all of a sudden it just starts to break, and you see him yeah. just grow mm-hmm. out of it, holy shit! <laughs> what a cinematic moment that would have been. But I, I don't know if you watched She Hulk at all. I did, yeah. What'd you think of that?
2: Uh, it was okay. I It wasn't. I. I it took me a while to realize that it wasn't for me. It wasn't made for <laughs> me, and that's okay. I, that, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I thought that they, and the way that they played it. I mean, the humor was pretty good, and and it was fun. I mean, it, it wasn't. A, it was more of like a legal thing rather than like an actual superhero fighting thing. It was more like a yeah. legal drama. And but it was okay. Like I, I think that might be the only season I will watch of it. But I didn't hate it.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one thing that really, really irritated me was at the end when it looks like they're at a cookout or something in a backyard, and the Hulk's there. And he's just like, oh, yeah, here's my fully grown yeah, <laughs> adult a son. Like, what
2: the fuck? <laughs> like, You're going like, to bring this out of nowhere. You didn't talk about it for the whole rest of the show. or <laughs> yeah.
1: and, and, and he's full grown. Like, maybe he grows a hell of a lot faster than uh, what we're used to. But it would have made more sense if he like would have had a baby or if he would have had a small child. Mm-hmm. But here's this brute just ready for a fight, you know. <laughs> Like, where the fuck has he been? (laughs) (laughs) He could have been really useful throughout a lot of movies, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that. You're right. You're right. Okay. So one of my picks is going to have to be Mysterio from Spider-Man. He's just one of the most interesting bad guys. He doesn't have any power, just the ability, just a master of special effects, like Hollywood special effects and knows how to manipulate somebody, you know? And when you um, – not everybody, but when you look across DC and Marvel, say, there are similarities between characters like um, like Mr. Fantastic and Plastic Man, for example, or uh, the Lizard and Killer Croc, or um, Solomon Grundy and the Hulk. You know, they're not exactly the same, but, you know, they have a lot of – there's similar similarities. Where Mysterio – and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys can think of somebody who, uh, like in the DC universe or even in Marvel or anywhere for that matter, that – uh, is somewhat similar to mysterio in that way anybody
0: as far as what like having like
1: just as far as like somebody who's spe- whose special power whose ability is uh being able to use special effects or
0: i mean there is arcade who like his whole thing was like the technology and stuff like that right i mean they're... i've got no idea okay i he was the only reason i know him is they had that super nintendo game like arcades revenge or whatever but His thing was like – he created like a game world that got everybody trapped in. Mm. Um, What's the Batman villain that had like the pup – was it the Puppet – no, not Puppet Master. But he had like a – there's an episode in the animated series or a couple episodes where it's like a ventriloquist dummy. Oh, uh, Scarface. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Was that his name? Not Scarface. Yeah, I do remember arcade looking like a
2: like a puppeteer dummy. I, I don't know if that if I'm just mixing up in my memory though.
0: I'm bouncing around a lot. I think the arcade was Marvel, and this guy was like a Batman. This other guy was a Batman villain.
1: Yeah, he the guy was a uh, ventriloquist schizophrenic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And the, and the guy that like his puppeteer was like some old guy with like glasses, like really yes. dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Very cool villain, but I don't uh, I don't I don't wouldn't compare them. Okay. I don't know. What about you, Jack? Anyone out there that you would say? Fits I can't that? think of
2: it. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people who made people look like other characters, like who could um, make people see things that weren't there. Like Scarecrow kind of did that with his poison gas and True. made them see things that didn't or, or cause illusions. But uh, I will say that I, I don't know. Did you ever read Old Man Logan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that to me is one of the things that I'm always kind of sad that they uh, that was one of the best appearances of Mysterio at all time like to in order for get him to get uh Wolverine to kill all the rest of the X-Men and all the rest of the heroes. That kind of put him on a different on put Mysterio on a different level I think. It was was pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah. And I think that's um if you're a writer I would imagine, I'm not a writer so I, all I can do is imagine but if you get the chance to write Mysterio, I think that would probably be like, holy shit, this is going to be fun because you can do anything you mm-hmm. want. There's no real boundaries with yeah. him, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got his own powers and he, he can, I mean, from my understanding, he can create, make people look like they're not only change their faces, but change the areas that they're living in or, or make yeah. them look like they're in a different spot and everything.
1: I remember he had uh, in the cartoon, maybe in the comics, but they didn't do this in the movie, but he had these little, like, they were like dice that he had. Mm. Oh, they, yeah, but they like were the called,
0: hologram cubes. Holo cubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. would,
1: you know, I don't know if he had them, like, uh, programmed to a certain environment, but, like, say, like, him and Spider-Man would be fighting in a warehouse, and uh, maybe it was a Sinister Six I remember this from. They were fighting in this warehouse, and he throws one of these things down, and all... All um, six sides of it have little camera projectors, so yeah. wherever it lands, it projects anything he wants. And like, so he turned this warehouse into a jungle.
0: Yep, yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, it's it's not just uh, all holograms. Like the, the grass, like Spider-Man was having to push aside to get through. Like it was very cool. That was
0: one of the Sinister Six episodes because then Rhino came busting through yes. the boxes. Yep. Yes. Yep.
1: Yes. Just the idea of um Hollywood special effects being a villain's power right? uh, mm-hmm. was so awesome and on top of that the way he looks it's it it walks the tightrope of ridiculous and badass you mm-hmm. know what I mean mm-hmm. and the I guess it depends what's that the fishbowl for a head <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some of the older ones where it's just like half a fishbowl. It looks like your mom's Tupperware bowl on his head. <laughs> I, did, I like it better when you get the whole globe, like they did in the mm-hmm. the, the movie. Yeah. But love that character. Always will. One of my favorites.
2: What did you think of the Jake Gyllenhaal representation?
1: Um, I thought it was good. I liked it. Um, but you know, he he had all this access to Stark Tech. So once again, you know, Stark. Tony Stark and Stark Tech kind of answers all the, all the mm-hmm. holes in the MCU when there needs to be an answer. I, it would have been cooler just as, you know, if they would have played it like, again, he's a disgruntled uh, ex-Hollywood special effects guy that got fired and for some reason blames Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> but um, I, I enjoyed it all the same. I thought it was pretty cool. It threw me for a loop because I'm like, okay, he's obviously the villain. Mm-hmm. But he just kept seeming so cool. I'm like, did they do something different with this character? And then like that scene in the bar when he gives away the glasses, when Peter gives uh, the Edith mm-hmm. glasses to him, and he leaves, and you just see this like very nice restaurant, and the people in it just start like pixelating away. You're like, oh shit, here we right. go. And the scene where he uh, has him in the warehouse, like believing he's Nick Fury. He made himself look like Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. That whole scene was amazing, like the horde of Spider-Mans attacking Mm -hmm. him or when he's at Tony Stark's grave and like the skeletal, the zombie looking Iron Man crawls. Mm -hmm. It was all so cool playing on his insecurities and fears and just loved it. You know what? As we have this conversation, you're absolutely right. Scarecrow would be the answer to that question. It would have to be.
2: Yeah, I I mean, that little bit uh, where in in the in the it was in Homecoming that he was in. But that whole bit where he is a series of illusions that he goes through, that was some of the best scenes in any of the any of the Marvel movies. I thought it was just it was so intense and you had no idea what was going on and you didn't know when it ended. There there was a part where you're like, oh, it's all kind of buttoned down and we're ready to move on with the movie. But no, he's still in it. I mean, that was a great scene.
1: Yeah, are you talking about, like, the very end when he's, like, laying on the floor, appearing to be shot, and then, like, Peter standing over to him talking to him, and then just reaches up, like, and grabs at nothing, <laughs> and next thing you know, he has his arm. Like, you just never right? know with Mysterio. And it would be cool if, because, like, in the comics, Quentin Beck wasn't the only Mysterio. There were, like, three or four people that were Mysterio after him. So it'd be cool if there were other Mysterios that came in the MCU somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably not. That's wishful thinking. But you know what? I, I can still dream.
0: I can still dream. <laughs> Hold out hope. Right. All right. Randy, we are back to you, sir. So my next pick, and I, I'm super glad this character is getting a lot more attention recently than it, it had in the past, but uh, is Jason Todd. It, Ooh. it always just – I thought it was always so cool that, you know, DC had the balls to actually legit kill off – a, a pretty main character. I mean, it was Robin, so... Yeah. Um, And he's stayed, like, legit dead for, like, a long time. I know it's yeah. always, like, a trope that, you know, a superhero dies, they'll be, you know, back. But uh, just that whole idea of, like, voting to have him die and then him eventually, well, staying dead forever. And then I think it was Hush or maybe Clayface, like, impersonated him. And then they finally brought him back as the Red Hood to be, like, this anti-Batman. Yeah. And just that whole character arc... Um, to the point now where he's kind of like an anti-hero and kind of back in the the Bat family. I just always love that.
1: Did, do you know if you had mentioned him before? Because exact where my mind goes, I feel like I've said this before, and I wonder if it was in response to you saying that before about it, Jason Todd. Possibly. But I, do you remember, I don't know if either of you guys remember, um, I never even really read the story. I just remember seeing highlights of it in some other book or reading about it online where there was a story arc, arc called um, – what was it like a battle for the mantle or something where i think bruce oh, yeah. bruce wayne's yeah. dead and um like the past robins are kind of competing yeah, to so see who's going to be the next batman yeah
0: like uh dick grayson took over the batman mantle damian took over robin and then yeah the uh, freaking jason todd was like the gun wielding like just
1: I, re- I just remember the look of his outfit. I think he had the very similar to like in Flashpoint, like instead of the yellow circle, maybe like just the red, red. Yeah. Perfect circle yeah. behind the bat insignia. But um, I don't think his mouth on the cowl was opened up. I think it was all closed. And mm. his shoulders had big like points on them. It was kind of like the
0: Azazel version of yeah.
1: the Yeah. Yeah. He looked sweet, but yeah, he's a cool character, and the whole history with Joker and stuff killing him. Red Hood was a great film. I don't know if that's like from a comic verbatim. I would imagine so. I think so. But then they also did, um,
0: I, and I think I, we talked about this on the show back in the day. But they did like a re-release of that where you could use the DVD like or the Blu-ray like controller to, like pick different points and like change the ending.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Wow. So, it, yeah, it it was pretty cool.
1: No, I never did that. I have the DVD.
0: I don't know if it was the original. It might have been like the re-release or something. Oh, but... wow!
1: How nice for you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of amazing what they did with all the different. I mean, there's been quite a few Robins now, and each one of them has kind of taken this their own direct or their own direction, which is mm-hmm. kind of fascinating. They've even the. Dick Grayson, right? It was yep. in, when the original, yeah. I mean, him turning into Nightwing, and then yeah. the other one turning into Red Hood, and the other one being raised by Ra's Al Ghul. I think, I think the last one wasn't it uh, a son of Batman and his? That was Damien.
1: Damian was yeah. yeah.
0: Al Ghul's grandson.
1: Him and right. him and Talia's daughter or son, love child. Jesus, yeah, that he didn't know about. But um, yeah, though that was interesting because watching one this this kid could. Put up a good fight yeah. for Batman. So he's probably like well ahead of the curve than the other Robins ever were. And uh just kill Hungry. Just why are you bothering putting him in jail? Just kill him.
0: Yeah. Just freaking
1: <laughs> kill him. But there was a um, I don't know what movie it was in. Maybe like Son of Batman. There was a few of them featuring that dynamic between Bruce and Damien. And in one of them, there was a scene where it was like the anniversary of the night Bruce's parents got killed. And as a gift to Bruce, Damien went to the alley where they were killed and went down in the sewer and searched and searched endlessly until he found one of the pearls that had been ripped off
0: oh, wow. his mother's okay.
1: necklace and just had been sitting wow. down there and gave him that pearl in a, in a little like box and like what it meant to Bruce, <laughs> like as you can imagine,
0: mm-hmm. it was wow. pretty
1: heavy. It was, a, it was a cool moment for sure. Hmm. Anything else? Uh, not on okay what about you jack next pick
2: are we relegated to marvel and dc or does it matter no anything at all okay uh my next pick is going to be spider jerusalem from the uh, uh there was a series called transmetropolitan by warren ellis i don't
1: know if you guys have ever read it i haven't read it i've definitely heard of it though but i don't know much about it no
2: in short, it is just Hunter S. Thompson in the future. That's pretty much the entire book series. And that's really, I mean, it, it is Spider Jerusalem is a, um, he's a journalist in the far future. Uh, and he goes around investigating all the weird things that are happening throughout the city. Uh, he has uh, broken up some of the... It, or I think he's re- responsible for getting some of the uh, last presidential uh, people out of power and then mm. trying to tank the new president, Mr. Smiley Face. Uh, he investigates things like people who are turning into uh, microbe clouds. Um, he, it's, it is it wow. is such a bizarre and weird, like um, there's a whole story arc with him following pe- people who have been like taking animal mutations and like genetically alterating them so that they can be grafted with a cat's head or, or whatever. Wow. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, he is a, a kind of a terrible person, but, um, <laughs> but a great anti-hero. So I think that that's, that, that is always one of my favorite characters, the, the people yeah. who are just terrible, but also you can't stop. You gotta root for him.
1: Them. You're yeah, absolutely right. right. Those are, those make the best characters. How, how, um, how old is that? story uh i want to say it was I, I read
2: it in the 2000s but that doesn't i i, I should look it up real quick but oh, i'm don't not have sure to. i it.
1: just was curious if it was something newer it, um it's a, what, a little bit older what label is that on
2: that was a i believe that was a vertigo imprint oh wow
1: okay wow that's a that's a deep cut right there
2: yeah uh, it was a it was uh, i think there was about 60 issues but every one of them, I mean, it, it, it's every one of them's worth it. It, it is a uh, pretty. It's it, written by Warren Ellis, who's fallen in some hot water in these times. But I think this is from nineteen ninety-seven to two thousand two.
1: Okay, so they don't they don't get made anymore.
2: No, they no. It's a it's a series that's over.
1: Okay, I'm gonna look into that. That sounds really interesting. I always love stuff in the future, like futuristic stories, like mm-hmm. looking at. Uh, what we think tomorrow is going to look like. Cause remember when we were kids and we like thought back to the future was like a template for what the now would look like. And Holy shit, were we wrong? Why don't we
0: have flying cars yet? Damn it. (laughs) I am with the hoverboard. (laughs) That's what I want more than anything.
1: A hover car. That just seems problematic, but all the same, I got sidetracked there. (laughs) That sounds cool. That was spider Jerusalem. You said
2: spider Jerusalem, spider Jerusalem. Yep.
1: Okay. Very good. Um, my last pick, (laughs) I've talked about her before. Who is it? Randy. You've talked about her before? Yep. Oh, shit. I'm drawing a blank, man. Hit girl. Ah, Okay.
0: Oh, nice.
1: I've talked about her before because she's fucking awesome. I absolutely love her. Um, But what's really cool, you know, the movies were good, but the comics, as you can imagine, were even better. And the comics go past where the second movie left off. She's amazing to watch. Who doesn't love her kicking ass? Uh, No pun intended there. I know she comes from kick ass, but... What you find out through those comics and even in those movies that, you know, you think you're settling in this story to watch Kick-Ass, which you are, but as the story goes, you realize you, this story was never about Mm Kick-Ass. It's always been about her. And um, they do further that story into her adulthood in the, well, who does it? That's Image, I believe, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right.
1: Yeah. Which is very interesting, but it's like, uh, I think it was at the end of the third Kick-Ass run where, um, I can't even, Dave, I think his name was, said that he was done being Kick-Ass. He turned in his outfit to her and said, uh, sorry, I can't do this anymore. And she left town, uh, relocated to another location and started looking for the next person to be her Kick-Ass, her Robin, essentially. But I would love to see a movie... Or just even another comic series come out with her as a full-grown adult, you know, settled in her ways, police still looking for her. Kind of like you were saying, Jack, kind of like that anti-hero. You know, she's getting shit done, but probably not the way she should be, (laughs) you know. Um, Just an entertaining character all the way around.
2: Her dad was a a, a super killer, I think. And then he was like a superhero, but taught her how to kill, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Her her, her – Big Daddy. Big Daddy. That's right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which Nicolas Cage being Big Daddy in the film was so freaking awesome. But I need to go back and look at the comics because it's been so long since I've read them. I just remember thinking, why wasn't this the movie? Because the movies were great. Don't get me wrong. But still, why wasn't this the movie? This is what (laughs) I would have loved to seen on the big screen. Um, just how ridiculous it is, you know, with all their names, like what was the dude's name was the motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, at the same time, you know, they're playing it in the world where there's like, why aren't there real superheroes? What if there were real superheroes? Like this awakening of superheroes in our reality kind of thing. And I think if there were everyday Joes naming themselves, there'd probably be some motherfuckers in the group. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you know what I mean.
0: (laughs) That would be mild, probably, compared to what would
1: <laughs> really be out there. Probably. Yep. That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't <laughs> I? All right. Uh, did we have any other picks we wanted to get off our chest before we moved on? Um, no. I,
0: I've got some more, but I, I I like this. We'll have to circle back to this topic sure, again. You
1: sure you don't want to say another one?
0: No, it's it's good.
1: What about you, Jack?
2: I, I want to shout out uh, a quick shout out to Marv from Sin City. Uh, oh, wow. What a great pick. Yeah, he's he was great. Uh, Mickey Rourke as him playing him in the movie was also great, but just that character—not uh, the brightest tool, or not the yeah. brightest. Uh, had a lot of mental issues, very violent. Um, but man, he has—he is like the quintessential. Like when Frank Miller did in, in that world, he was like the one person that it, it was just perfect. It was a, he yeah. perfectly fit into that? Um, that line that you know I love hitman because you never feel bad for what you do to him and it just there's a lot of things where he was just perfect like he existed in that world so perfectly yeah um, had he i think the one of the Clive Owen says something like if he had been born in a, in a gladiator tombs he would have felt right at home but he said <laughs> he got built into the city you know
1: and he um from what I remember it's been so long since I've seen that film he was—he was more than just a dude, right? He had like special, like he was—he had was, like uh, heightened strength or something, right? Or no?
2: Kind of like I—I I don't think—I don't think it was anything extraordinary except that he was a big guy. Uh, yeah.
1: He,
2: I don't think there was any—I don't know that anybody really had specific powers in in that world, but um, close. I mean, he was definitely huge. He always
0: kind of put me in mind of like a big, like Frankenstein esque.
1: Yeah. Of. <clears throat> Yeah, like, yeah. A, like a grizzled Frankenstein, or like Solomon Grundy, or something kind of like. Oh yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, I can see that.
2: When when they keep trying to electrocute him and he keeps spitting on the copies of the confession and his blood, I mean, there's just there's so many <laughs> good li- parts of him the in there. It's,
1: it's, good. it's been too long since I've seen that. I need to refresh myself. Damn, that was a good film, and Elijah Wood's character was creepy mm-hmm. as all <laughs> <Right>. oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, man, just sitting there with that big smile on his face as he's getting killed.
2: Those Damn. weird white, those white glasses were the only things he really saw of his face. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, what a perfect translation of what you see in a comic panel onto the big screen, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shot for shot. I mean, you can look through it. They they really did nail that one. They almost used it. Yeah. They almost seem to use it as a storyboard. Yeah, exactly.
1: And why shouldn't they? You know, mm-hmm. it, when these people go in and start taking liberties is when I think they start losing the, the those original fans. You might get some new ones, you know. Yeah. But those people that were there at the beginning that have been waiting for this moment, like, what the fuck? Why'd they do that? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: and there's no shortage of explanation or examples of that.
1: You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another example that uh, – is so true to the comic like Sin City was. Unless um what about Watchmen? They there were a few things changed there, but for the most part they were pretty accurate.
2: As far as I remember, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't remember the slow motion sex scene in the movie or in, in the comic <laughs> book, but uh everything else, yeah, they they it was pretty dead on. Yeah. And V for Vendetta was also very very oh. close to the original content.
1: What a great movie. I, I watch that like once a year around November 5th. It's it's like One a holiday. Yeah. yeah, it's great, man. But all right. Uh, anything else? All right. I think we're good. We're going to jump to a quick commercial break, but stick around when we come back. More with Jack. All right, we are back from commercial, and once again, joined by Jack Wallace. Jack, man, thanks so much again for being here. Hope you're having a good time. I'm having a great time. Thank you
2: guys for having me again.
1: And I first met you at uh, CXC. I was there hanging out with John Orlando and uh, your buddies with John as well, and the three of us got to do the watch the cartoon, the classic cartoon show. That was a hell of a lot of fun, man. That was a great it time. It was a lot
2: of fun. Yeah, it was. It was a great time. Uh, and CX, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that CXC is here in Columbus. They're, they're always such a great event. Uh, it's good for comics. It's good for Columbus. Um, we're, we're very happy to, they, they've been an advertiser for ours in the Scribbler for a long time too. So we're, we're always very appreciative of them. Sure.
1: Absolutely. Well, tell us then, um, let's start with, uh, which would you prefer to start with disposable fiction comics or the Scribbler? Uh, Let's
2: start with – I'll start with my own stuff. It's uh, disposable fiction. Um, Okay. Disposal fiction kind of started out as me uh, just kind of writing comic scripts. I had had an interest in writing, and I didn't really know what to do with it. Uh, So eventually there used to be old forums that they used to have called – pencil jack and and a couple others that you could and they used to have like writing competitions okay so i i ended up kind of learning how to write comic scripts through them and submitting them um and most of the time they were just kind of five page shorts uh so i i ended up kind of going through there doing a whole bunch of competitions and i think i won maybe one of them out of all of them but it did kind of te- I, at the end of all of this, I ended up having a whole bunch of comic scripts that I'd had just short stories that were kind of finished. Uh, from there, I started looking around and I started finding artists and kind of working through that, trying to make a book and, and learning how, the, how to put together a team of people to do. And, and I didn't know any of the stuff. I didn't know how to letter or, or do anything or even really how to find people. So slowly I started kind of meeting people in, in that were doing comics on the indie scene. Uh, and we had, I started to grow kind of a network of people that I had met uh, online and otherwise. And we put up one book of short fiction, which was, um, it's kind of weird when you don't know what you're doing and you're kind of, and you make a book and you're thinking, Oh, this is going to be it. I'm just going to get this published. Cause that's the obvious next step. But turns out it's a lot harder than that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we, we ended up doing one sh- book of short fiction. That was pretty good. Uh, but from there I'd kind of gotten my, a little bit more feet wet and a little bit more confidence of how to do it. And and then I started doing it, uh, that just a lot more. Uh, we started, we, we had a, our first book was in black and white fiction. Uh, the second time around I'd had a, through this entire collaboration, I'd, ha- I, I gained a partner. His name was Chris Allen. He's, he's over in, um, Scotland and he oh, is Oh wow. Yeah, he's my partner. He's a colorist and letterer. Um Right. So I, I basically the way it works is I write the stories and usually fund most of the stuff and he does all the coloring and lettering and then we usually hire in an artist for each one. Uh and we had created a small pool of short comics and um you know, two book uh, two anthologies. So I mean each one of them is, you know, 150 book 150 pages a piece. So we were feeling pretty good about it. Um, we started doing some short floppies. I did a a, a Christmas book about uh, Chris, about Santa Claus taking over the world. It's called The 512th <laughs> Days of Christmas. Santa Claus has taken over the world, and it's been Christmas for about a year and a half. And it's oh, up to wow. one young girl on the naughty list to kind of stop Santa
1: and get the world back in shape. I'd be part of that rebellion. You better
2: believe it. <laughs> It's kind of an anti-Christmas book, and and, and looking back on it,
1: <laughs> sold,
2: <laughs> sold. Uh, we did a couple. We did a couple more floppies, um, and ended up. I, I ended up doing a, a graphic novel called Frankenstein for Mayor, uh, right. and that was huge. That that uh, huge in the context of the size of the project. I mean, I had been doing a lot of shorts, and you know, when you're doing like short stories, it's great because people can finish them up and you can kind of move along. But uh, during your graphic novel, it's like, it just takes so much money and time uh, that it really focuses you. Um, But I I did that in two different Kickstarters. We kind of loaded two of them up uh, separately. So we kind of funded the book in two parts. Uh, The essential idea is that it's Frankenstein is, Frankenstein's been dead for a long time and Dracula kind of rules over Transylvania. He's the current mayor. Uh, It turns out that the witches and the werewolves both hate Frankenstein or both hate Dracula because he really only does stuff for the vampires. So they end up raising Frankenstein from the dead to run in the next election uh, on their behalf. How have Uh, I missed this? I don't know. (laughs) uh, So that was that was one of one of my big graphic novels that I was very proud of. Uh, I worked with an artist named Ronaldo Le Contreras. He's a Chilean artist. So it's been a lot of fun just kind of meeting people, making a lot of comics. I, and the last thing I did was a book called uh, Chimera and, or Chimera, sorry. It's a, a kid's book. It's a, an all ages adventure book. Uh, the short version is that it's four kids go into an island and they their wildest fantasies come true. So they one kid becomes a superhero, one kid becomes an, a king, one kid becomes a jungle animal, and another kid becomes a robot. Uh, And they have to like compete against the, um, there's like a ghost girl who's kind of like the Willy Wonka of this world. So she run. She they pretty much have to defeat this girl again in four different competitions in order to leave the island and go back home. So it's a lot of. It was a way to kind of get <clears> people to play in that and play with the idea of fantasies and and that sort of thing. So it, it was very I was very pleased with how that one came out too. So,
1: you say that's a kids book, but damn,
0: I I'm interested. Yeah, I, I want right? to read that. <laughs> I'm gonna get that for Brennan and Michaela. No, okay, Daddy's just gonna hold on to that for a minute.
1: <laughs> now. Um, can you still get physical copies of Frankenstein for Mayor and Chimera?
0: Yeah,
2: they're both available on my website, and I think um, on Amazon they're also available uh, for the digital reads too. So,
1: okay, mm. you're talking about Dis- disposablefictioncomics.com is where it's at. Yep.
2: Yeah, we have a small store on there, and we have quite a bit of. Uh, I we did a, a whole lot of the other stuff, like I think we have a we have made a whole bunch of bumper stickers for for Frankenstein for Mayor and. A bunch of That's election cool. pens and stuff, so,
0: yeah. You had me at Frankenstein and Dracula, sir. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's a monster buff, isn't he? <laughs> Yes, I am. <laughs> so when you uh, are looking for an artist to collaborate with, what, what are you looking for? Does it always depend on the story? I can't imagine. Well, when I was
2: doing – it, it kind of depends on the project. So when I was doing the um, – when i was doing chimera i wanted something that was that w- somebody who was able to it's weird to think that there is a more of a child aesthetic but for some reason there is and i can't explain exactly what it is but if you look at like kind of all ages illustrations there's a style to it that I, that i can't really describe but it you know it when you see it it's like anything like a lot on of nickelodeon
0: colors and
2: exactly big eyes is a, is, a, is mm. a common trait you know um so we we wanted somebody who could do sort of that, that sort of uh, feel to it. When I was doing short fiction, it was, do I think that this person would be a good fit for horror or because I mean, the short fiction that I was doing kind of ran the gamut. There's like, there's stories about crime stories or stories about um, there's horror stories, there's you name it. So we, I was trying to kind of play in all the different sandboxes. So what I would do is I would just put out an ad and say, hey, we're looking for people to do six page shorts and just send us a link to your style and tell and, me and, 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 you know, we can work it out from there. And then I would kind of place I would be like, oh, this artist looks like they would be good for this type of story. So you just kind of in your mind match the what the, what, you, what it looks like they can do to what the script would be, what type of story you're trying to do. That makes sense. I see.
1: Yeah, of course. I just, I—it's probably an obvious question, but being somebody who doesn't know shit about making a comic, you know, (laughs) I had to ask. So, do you, um, do you go to cons and stuff? Like, have a have a booth at cons and show off your wares? Or,
2: yeah, I've I've definitely done quite a few cons. Lately, I've been kind of lazy, honestly, which has been kind of nice. Easy to do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I've done quite a few. I did. I think I'm, um, I haven't done galaxy con, but I did do Fanboy expo last year. I haven't done CXC, but only because I really enjoy going to all the panels uh, right. <laughs> and I don't want to be stuck at a table the entire time. I, I'm willing <laughs> to forego the money. Sure. I have definitely done space. a million. you know, I think this is my first year not making it to space, but I've been going to cons for about five, six years, just kind of, uh, here, you know, I got a little table set up and, yeah, it's been it's been fun. You you always meet a, a lot of wonderful people, and uh, I really like the challenge of trying to sell somebody a comic book. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. eh, let me tell you about it. And when when it pays off, you're like, oh man, that's that was really worth it. <laughs>
1: good feeling. Just look at yourself in the mirror and be like, you brilliant son of a bitch, you've done it again.
2: <laughs> you conned another one. Good
1: job. <laughs> I don't know if I'd use the word conned, but you know what I mean. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> So, have you and uh, Chris ever got to meet face to face? Where did you say he was again?
2: He's he's over in Scotland, and we have not. It, it, it's um, that's been one of the weird. It's been kind of a weird, wonderful thing about building up this network of people is that I've, I think I've worked with like sixty different artists, and I don't think I've ever a few of them have I ever actually met in person. Yeah. Uh Chris, we've been talking about it, but I've just not made it out there yet. I want to, but. Well, I mean,
1: it's a bit of an obligation, right? I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> It'd be beautiful to see, though. Oh, we're, yeah, I'm sure we'll make it at some point. That's how it is uh, doing the show, especially as long as we've had. You know, we've made so many friends, some of which we've kept in touch with and been friends with for years, but have never in the same room with, and, you know, there's been a few occasions where we do get to meet up with those people we've been friends with for years for the first time. And sometimes it's almost like meeting them again, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's hard to explain, (laughs) but that's really cool how you, how, um, the internet affords us the ability to have working relationships with people on the other side of the planet. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
2: We're, we're taking advantage of it right now. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The, The people who are listening to it are taking advantage of it. Yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah, Exactly. So, what about some of these comics on uh, on uh, DisposableFictionComics dot com, like uh, like some of I mentioned at the top, Blizzard Tricks of the Trade, etc.
2: A lot of those are are kind of. I was running them as a free comic, uh, a, a free webcomic for a while, right. And it, it, that was a lot of fun, just kind of and posting them up and seeing uh, how people would relate to them, whether they like them or not. the The goal was really I, I had broken it up into five different um, books, essentially. Uh, there was a book of crime, there was a book of horror, there was a book of doomed romance, uh, a book of competition, and uh, one more, but I, it was, I'm missing it, but I, it will come back to me. So essentially what we're trying to do is just make, um, just trying to play in different sandboxes and play, you know, I wanted to try my hand at, at what I wanted to make for horror and what I want, oh, and a book of comedy. That was the other one. So gotcha. just um we had a, a lot of great short little bits and some of them uh, they, so eventually we ran a whole web comic and then I just ended up posting them up online, uh, as for people, free to, for people, free to read. Just, it's also nice when you have a portfolio of your own work, if people ever want to see, Oh, what kind of comics do you do? And you can kind of I let, see a nice point to him, say, here, here's a short portfolio, if you will.
1: And as somebody who loves comics, it's great to have a website where you can go and read some for free. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a stingy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, I, I wasn't going to go that far, but. <laughs> All right, man, let's talk a little bit about the Columbus Scribbler. Um, sure. Tell us about this paper. How'd you get involved with it? Are you one of the founders of it?
2: Yeah, actually, um, Scribbler started out with like I'd had the idea for the Scribbler for a very long time. Um there were a whole bunch of different comic groups in throughout Columbus, um, throughout the, I don't know, decades, I guess. And I always thought it would be cool if we had something yeah, like, you know how the Wu-Tang came together because they couldn't get their own individual record deals and they gonna right, yeah. to put together a mixtape of themselves. Same concept. I was like, well, we don't have bands and we can't put together a mixtape, but this is something that we could all make and contribute to. And, um, it turns out nobody really liked the idea initially. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, I had pushed it around to a bunch of people that I had, I, I, I when, you know, whenever I was at a con, I'd always kind of mention it and be like, Oh man, you know, it'd be really cool. Is if we had this magazine or something that would, you know, people could submit to and we could charge for advertising and everybody said, well, yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I don't think anybody was really either taking it seriously or didn't want to get too far involved. Um, luckily Steve Steiner took me up on it. Um, and we had talked about it for a little bit, just me and him. We had not uh, really broken down the idea of what we wanted, but Steve was the one who kind of mentioned that it should be a newspaper and kind of and kind of fleshed that idea out. Uh, uh, Brian um, Canini had had originally, I mean, he was loaded down with kids and, and his own comics and, and another job, but he got talked into it by his wife um, and he took me out and so we ended up talking about it. And they thought, you know what? It is actually a really good idea. We should talk about it. Um, so he ended up getting involved uh, and we kind of built it out from there. From there, we were kind of planned it out and said, well, what would we want it to include? And how do we want to do this? What would we pay people and who would advertise it? and build it up from there? And you know, the the Columbus Scribbler, it's, a, its it's what it's become is a free newspaper that we distribute throughout the city with two major goals, the first one being that we want to highlight the work of local comic creators here in okay. here in Columbus, and also to get the uh, general public more interested in comics as a medium. Uh, there's a, I think there's a big misconception, and uh, for people who are who don't really know comic it. it Comics is such a weird thing because people read them all the time and they don't, but they're like, oh, I don't, I wouldn't read Captain America or whatever. Right. So it's like, but you read you read Calvin and Hobbes for how long and you enjoyed that, <laughs> and it's, or Garfield.
1: Yeah. Exactly, it's, it's, yeah.
2: You know, there's no difference. It's just that we wanted it to get comics in people's faces. And it's very hard to do, if, if somebody doesn't go in, if somebody's never read a comic, they're not gonna go into a comic shop and just start picking them up. No. So we wanted to make it accessible and free for for anybody who wanted to check it out. Just if you're walking around the city and you picked up the six one four, hey, here's this weird little mag, you know, this little newspaper that you can also pick up and enjoy. So that that's been its goal from from the onset.
1: Well, uh, congratulations, because you guys have been very. Uh... Uh, successful with exactly everything you just said there, you know, getting comics in front of people and there's a ton of different comics in here. Uh, not only that, but, uh, talking with some of the creators, just so many different things. It's a, it's a great read for anyone who's into comics or looking to get into them. Even if you're not pick it up. Um, when did you guys start doing this? this is, you guys have been doing this for some time, right? Cause I think I've seen this years ago.
2: Yeah, it's been about five to six years. I want to say we started in about 2017. Um, Yeah. And we're just on, we're we're working on our issue 13, which is coming out uh, later on in the year. We've been doing just two issues a year for quite some time. Uh, And then I think for about two years, we picked it up to three issues a year. And then this year, we just dropped it back down to two. So mainly just for our own sanity. (laughs) Right. it is quite a bit of work. Um, But it's been a labor of love. And it's really, it's been one of the best projects I've ever worked on.
1: I would say I mean, and I was that's I was going to ask how many hours does it take? Because this is thorough. This isn't like just something that's quickly thrown together. This is a full fledged newspaper. And it's it's thick at that. It's not just a couple pages. You know, I've seen other people try to do this kind of a thing. And you get a few pages in, you're like, eh, you know, I, I think I'm good on that. Not this one. And I'm not just saying that to kiss your ass because you're here. And I mean, Christ, it, it's an uh, Eisner-nominated paper, right? That's right. Yeah, two times. Yeah. The first Twice. one, we were like,
2: oh, yeah, we were like, oh, this is a fluke. And then the second one, it made you kind of hold you up. You're like, hey, it's not just a fluke. Maybe they do really like us. And that, that felt really good.
1: I can't imagine. Congratulations. So, yeah. I mean, that's incredible.
2: Yeah, we got to go out to San Diego Comic-Con and check that out uh, twice now. And we got to sit through the Eisner Awards. Uh, and, listen, and I think the last one that we went to two years ago um, had Frank uh, it had Frank Miller and Neil Gaiman kind of hosting. And so it, all that's just been a, a joy, just being able to... All that stuff has been amazing. And I'm very proud to be able to be like, oh yeah, I'm an Eisner-nominated writer. That, that of course is a huge part of it. But more is just... It makes me more happy about the idea that people are noticing Columbus as a comics hub, and people yes. are noticing Columbus as being a, a place that that is good for creators, and that is a a big win for everybody involved. So it's not it's not just a big nomination for us; it's a nomination for everybody who's in it, you know. And and right, and so that's that's a big win for everybody.
1: As somebody who's in that world of the of comics and you know doing the scribbler, what. In your estimate, what do you think it is about uh, Columbus that makes it such a hotbed for creativity? I mean, I know we have CCAD here, so I'm mm-hmm. sure that plays a lot into it. But aside from that, what what is it about uh, Columbus that makes it a comics town?
2: We, I asked, I actually, I'm going to use somebody else's answer, because we, we interviewed Brian Christopher Moss, who is a, one of the a, a local artists in Columbus, very popular, kind of right. famous. When we asked him, he, his opinion is that... There isn't really anything else in Colum- <laughs> outside <laughs> in Columbus to do, so people just go back to their their rooms and they make art. And and you know what? That's not entirely untrue. If we, we don't have we yeah. don't have a, a coastline or a beach to go check out, yeah. we are in the middle of cornfields all around us. Uh, and
1: <laughs> and you can only go to King's Island and Old Man's Cave so many times. <laughs> exactly. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good I point. Mean,
2: yeah, I, I, you can maybe go up to Detroit if you want to do, or I, I, maybe Chicago or something if you want to drive eight hours or whatever. But Huntington, West Virginia, I, the, there isn't a whole lot around us. So I, I feel like a lot, of, I think people are kind of hungry for that. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: when, whenever I used to go to Tricon when it was in Huntington, West Virginia, it was such an amazing show and I and I didn't. I could never underfigure out like this is Huntington, West Virginia. Why is this such a big thing? And people were like there's just nothing out here. People are really hungry for 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 culture and and for art and for things um and it, just for something to do. Absolutely, yeah. Right. So I think that that I think that, that has a lot to play on it. Um I think that Midwesterners and themselves can be rather creative, but I don't think that we have a whole lot of outlets to to kind of showcase that work.
1: You're right, though. I mean, me and my friends, we grew up playing music. And when we've sat down to think about, like, well, how did that spawn? I mean, of course, we've always been interested, but it always comes down to that one thing. Well, there's fucking nothing else to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's either that or go mow exactly. the lawn, maybe. <laughs> right. we we'll get lost in a cornfield. Go walk hours. around a Walmart, yeah. you know.
2: But that's also, but that's a story of every band that's ever made it too. It's like, well, I don't know. We were just playing in the garage. We got bored and, you know, he bought a guitar. So we just started picking up from there. And that's that's
1: true. (laughs) And the story of bands who didn't make it. (laughs) That's very true. Oh, man. Well, I want to encourage people to go to the uh, Columbus Scribbler, uh, ColumbusScribbler.com and DisposableFictionComics.com, both of which can be found on Instagram at SebaScribbler and at DF Comics. Jack, where else should we uh, be directing people, man?
2: The, I mean, those are the two good ones. Uh, I, I would say uh, for anybody who is a comic creator, uh, if you are interested in submitting to the, to the Scribbler, uh, please do. We have uh, submissions open until the end of June. Yeah, so so definitely come check us out. Send us an idea for a comic if you got one.
1: And one thing I wanted to touch on really quick as well uh, is that you're a script writer for two different animation studios, Essence Cartoons and Ownage Animation. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we go?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I had picked up both gigs uh, a little while back. I, I think I had met um, Malachi Staples from Essence Cartoon. I met him a little while back uh, at, I believe it was Space. Uh, he was kind of looking for another scriptwriter for an animation thing, and he had picked up my book for uh, Frankenstein for Mayor, and we just ended up talking. And um, I blithely threw it out like, "Hey, if you're ever looking for a scriptwriter." And then I, he actually called me on it and said, "Oh, well, yeah, that'd be interesting." So then I had to learn how to write animation <laughs> scripts <writing> re- immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it was great. Those, those guys had been a lot of fun to work with. Uh, and Onage, Onage came off as a branch from that. Those guys, uh, they were all working together, doing their own stuff. And then Onage uh, asked me to step up on the side. He had done, he, Onage Animations have been doing um, Onage pranks online for, uh, it's basically, if you remember the Jerky Boys, like the prank caller bits, uh, right. they had doing a, animated version, animated calls for like that a long time so i had been kind of writing what was what you were seeing on the screen for a little while um wow. and with essence cartoon i just kind of we we worked on a whole variety of, of projects whether they were social media content for uh, for like customers or some of them were commercials for for other corporations but anybody that was that wanted to do like a uh just a short bit online i would usually write the anime or write the script for the and then hand it over to them for the animation parts of it hmm.
1: that sounds fun as shit
2: it was a lot of fun
1: <laughs> you say was yeah. are you not doing it anymore
2: no no i'm still doing it it's just uh, the the work is kind of hit and miss it's one of those things like when the pandemic was happening we were getting a whole lot of work but now it's slowed down a little bit but that's okay too <clears throat>
1: sure and where can we uh, people check that out? Is it just essentially oh, uh, names? I said dot com. Actually,
2: yeah. If you if anybody is ever interested, I have a, a website called jackwritescripts.com. dot uh, I, I should have sent that one to you too. It's a uh, basically it's just my portfolio site. So it's uh, got some of my uh, animation reels in there um, that I've worked with. And some comics and some articles. So it's a wide variety of writing subjects.
1: Hmm. It is written down, and I will be checking that out. And we'll be putting all this, of course, in the post to this episode. Man, I don't know where you find time to do anything. You've got your (laughs) fingers in quite a few pies here, don't you?
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, you know
1: devil's Gotta hands are at a playground <laughs> <laughs> we're in ohio after all We've got to do something right there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but jack right. man thank you so much for being here this has been an absolute pleasure maybe you can uh, come back on in the future if you'd be up for it
2: i would absolutely love to Jamie randy thank you both for having me i appreciate it
1: Absolutely. Anytime, man. And with that, Randy, what do we have on the website, sir?
0: Go to cannedairpodcast.com, check out past episodes, see our special guests, uh, find all our links to all our social, uh, find the Patreon link, and uh, if you're an artist or somebody with a project and interested in coming on the show, send us a link on our contacts page.
1: There it is. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at pod on Instagram at canned underscore air, and on TikTok at CandarePodcast. Uh, and again, the website Randy was just talking about has two ways you can support us at candarepodcast.com. There's that merch tab, T-shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, stickers, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all featuring our logos and other, other designs made by Joshua Bellis. And the Patreon tab where uh, for 5 to $10 a month gets you access to three to four years worth of recordings.
0: And if not Patreon, again, any little uh, rating or review on your podcast player of choice you're mm-hmm. listening us to greatly helps.
1: Yeah, and we have the Candare Patreon pod on there where we, um, you know, we typically just answer. Requests that our patrons, you know, if they say we want to hear an episode about this, we do it. We could be your monkeys. You could make us dance. That's exactly what it is. You want to see us dance for you? Patreon's where you do it. (laughs) And uh, other very special projects. A few radio theaters on there. We have the video versions of some of our Mm -hmm. interviews Mm -hmm. that go there before they go to YouTube. Um, what else? The traumatic episode—the yes. episode that went horribly wrong—and we got
0: cussed out. I wasn't even on that, and I cringe on that one. Yeah, oh, that I'll
1: wrong. never listen to it again. <laughs> like that
0: edit was it. It's it's gone. But um, some of the OG episodes are on there too, right?
1: Like- yeah, the yeah the first twenty five episodes of our catalog. If you want to see where it all started, uh, that's where it's at. And many many other things are on there. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. But lots of uh, content to devour. And once again, we are coming up on our. 500th episode, which the way it's looking is uh, going to be what at the end of August, end of
0: August. Yeah, around that, around the yeah, yeah, I'd say end of August.
1: We got to get our asses in gear,
0: yes, we do. <laughs> so, and you do too if you want to be a part of it and let us know what your favorite
1: uh, moments were, exactly. Yeah, so think of your favorite canned air moments from the uh, past 10 years. Let us know, we want to know, and we'll put it in the episode, shout you out. Even if you if you want to remain anonymous, we can do that, too. We just want that damn clip. Give us the clip, people. Come on. <laughs> but
0: uh, anything else? Man, I, I shout-out to evergreenpodcast.com.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> but I think they know we we uh, love them, and yeah, I think the, yeah. the listeners do, too. But all right, I'm rambling at this point. <laughs> all right, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. I'm Jack Wallace. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. And watch me ice skate. Wait! Come back. The ice could break. Whoops! Help! Quickly walk back to the edge. Stop! You'll break through the ice. Snow, Snow job. job! Grab this branch. You should have been listening to canned air.
0: Now we know.
1: And knowing is half the battle. Snow job. How'd you get your name? Um. G I Joe. This has been a canned air production.